Hey, and welcome everybody to the mini-sode for patrons only that's coming directly to you from one of your hosts, Stan. And I'm Drew. And just to let you know that we really are glad that you are a patron and are able to listen to this episode. We really appreciate you. And if you have any suggestions or a case that you would like covered, please do let us know because we take your comments first. Email us at badinthedonuts.gmail.com Exactly. Or if you want to um, do a little quick chat, go to um, our Twitter. That is, what is that? Bad, Boondocks Bad, bad Indy. But just look up Bad in the Boondocks. On Twitter. On Twitter, and it should pull up. Okay. Again, that is Boondocks Bad Indy. I'm having a little trouble going on there because my phone keeps messing up and turning green, and then I don't know what's wrong. He with got it. jizz on it. <laughs> no, I did not. Why would it be green? Uh. No, why would it be green though? Um. <laughs> no. Anyway, um, I hope that you can tell, but we have just purchased two new sound yeah, absorption mats. Wait, $140 yeah. worth of sound mats that is... Absorb a, a the echo, so I hope that our sound is a lot better today. Yeah. I feel like it is. And we are even purchasing two identical um, podcasting white chairs. It's and one so more cool. sound screen. And to, another freaking sound screen. To block out the last side that we don't have so, covered. So... After we get all that, we and might And just take to let you know, at this time, we have zero interrupt. patrons and we're buying this. Everything is out of our pocket because we have no ads. Yeah, that is true, no ads. But I mean, like, that is how I understand why people put ads, because that's their way of making money. Or not even making money, that. just covering the cost. Covering, covering what they've already bought. Right. Basically. We spend I mean, $100 a that. month just having a website and putting this out to people. Yeah, and our emails even close down because we just can't keep on paying for paying some, yeah. for, for those emails to stay open. And it's whenever I mean, you can email us at badandbunotsgmail.com instead. So yes, there we go. <laughs> All right, so for this episode, what are you gonna do, Stanley? Um, we're going to do, as we always do, little short stories, and this time we're doing yes. ones that are considered the worst criminals. But, I mean... I mean, there are... Not, so, I, I'm, there's some I'm finding, them, but there's not... The name is a little overrated in what it seems. I feel, because every day I find... New it seems like, stuff. oh my gosh, this is the worst person in exactly, the world. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. And whenever we record our full episode should be on Saturday. Or no, we're recording tomorrow. It'll be put out on Saturday. Okay, that's cool. Whatever. But that is some really messed up stuff, dude. Really messed up stuff. But are you, are, do you want to start us off or do you want me to start us I'll off? I'll start us off. Okay. Alright. Well, my first person is Michael Bruce Ross. And he's from the United States. Um, his crimes were from 1981 to 1984. I was born right in the middle there in 1982. Well, for anyone that cares, which is probably everyone. 82 and a half, really. Well, anyway. He was known as the Roadside Strangler. 
and he was convicted and sentenced to death for four murders that he committed. He eventually confessed to eight murders during that time frame. Eight. Yes, he was born on a chicken farm in Putnam, Connecticut on July the 26th, up close to my birthday again. Sure. 1959. Ross was the oldest of four children. His young life was horrific as he is mentally unstable. Mother beat all four of her children without reprieve. She just beat and beat. It has been said that a young Ross was sexually abused by a teenage uncle who later committed suicide. In spite of his troubled youth, Ross excelled in school and eventually studied at Cornell University. So he was a pretty smart yeah, dude. Yeah, but you know what? I don't mean to sound stereotypical or anything, but uncles sound like they normally, normally do that. Yes, that sort of thing. It always sounds like they're always You'll the probably get be an it. uncle one day. No. <laughs> but you will be. I'm, I'm sure you'll I be an might, uncle. I might, but I mean, like, I'm not going. So you'll be putting yourself no, in No, I'm now. not. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Just you keep, drive me crazy. Keep that foot in your mouth. You drive me crazy. All right. Like I said, he was a pretty smart dude, and he studied at Cornell University. And as a sophomore at Cornell, Ross found trouble when he began stalking female students on campus. And generally, that is a sign of trouble. I'm not a psychiatrist, but generally. you could just be like, I don't know, dude. I don't even know what I was going to say. As a senior, he committed his first rape and murder. That's not so great. Over the next three years, he would rape and murder eight women. And like I said, called the roadside strangler. It was because of where the bodies of his victims were dumped. I thought about that. Ross was finally caught when, after the last murder, witnesses claimed that the victim was last seen getting into a blue Toyota. Sloppy, sloppy. Police investigators eventually got to Ross, who owned a car matching that description, and during the interrogation, Ross kept dropping subtle hints that he was their man. Once in custody, he confessed to all eight murders, and he was put to death by lethal injection, on May 13th of 2005. Justice. And justice was served with a side of mashed potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Why don't you go with your first one? I do. Okay. I didn't ask you anything. Whatever. About as far as do you have one. Anyways, mine comes all the way from those New Zealand folks out there. Yep. It happened in Ere... Mona. I mean, I'm not great with New Zealand names, but I could assume you that could it's... you hand me my cup, please? No, I didn't. I didn't interrupt your story while you were reading it. I'm gonna keep on going. Anyways, I after... let you hold that cup, so I would like it back, please. Oh my goodness! Jesus I'm Christ. hearing. So, I'm hearing so many knocks and bangs it's on this on table. The floor. It's right here. I can't reach it. Well, I sure as crap can't. Yeah, you can. Thank you. I found it, sir. Mr. Friggin' Billy Bob. This... Whose was your name again? Goodness, I haven't said a name yet. Wow, well, get on with your story. Be quiet, be quiet. It's David Malcolm Gray. And this 
supposedly happened on November 13th, 1980. Mm. After a ver- Again, two years from my birth. Yes, I understand that. After a verbal dispute with a neighbor, he took a scope semi-automatic rifle and gunned down 13 people, including neighbors and families visiting the township. 22 hours later, in a blaze of glory, Gray burst out of his house firing from the hip and was promptly gunned down by police. To this day, the deadliest criminal shooting in New Zealand history was committed by this 33-year-old unemployed farmhand. Born in Dunedin, New Zealand, to (laughs) parents who were both in the manufacturing industry, (coughs) oh lord. Yep, I caught that. (laughs) Gray also had two siblings. His school years, (laughs) did you hear that crack? What, you farted? I accidentally had a crack in my voice. You farted. I had a crack in my voice. His school years were unassuming and unremarkable, and former classmates described him as quiet, but not necessarily frightening in any way. It was also said that he was a loner, and his sister, Joan, said that Gray's love for animals became a source of the discontent. <laughs> what are you looking at? Because. Discontent with his neighbor, who had trouble caring for his pets. On the day of the spree, Gray argued with his neighbor, then abruptly went into the house and retrieved his assault rifle. He came out and promptly shot the man dead. After setting the neighbor's house on fire and wounding the dead man's daughter, he started shooting in indiscriminately. 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 At people who began arriving on the scene. As the police arrived, Gray holed up in his house and continued the firefight until he was shot dead. I love how, though, whenever that people say shot dead. He was shot dead. Shot good and dead. Shot dead. All right. Well, the next person is Michael Robert Ryan. Is it really? Yes, he's from Hungerford, Berkshire, England. Berkshire. Yes. And this was August the 19th of 1987 when this was committed. All right. Well, before before turning a gun on himself, Ryan used two assault rifles. So another one with, yeah, and a Beretta handgun to claim 16 lives while wounding 15 others. His own mother was one of the victims. Known as the Hungerford Massacre, one of the worst criminal atrocities in British history, it was conducted by a 27-year-old gunman named Michael Robert Ryan, unemployed at the time of the killings. (coughs) So sorry. Keep it to yourself. I'm trying. Ryan was born at a hospital. 
That's good. <laughs> <They're> usually, <coughs> people are usually born in a hospital. No, sometimes not. Sometimes in a car. I said usually. Sometimes in a toilet. Oops, usually. didn't know I was pregnant for nine months. Anyway. That's probably once happened. It's oh, probably, no, that's happened a lot of times. It's probably going to happen to you. Wow, that was dead silent. <laughs> wow. Anyway, he was born at a hospital just outside of Hungerford on May 18th, 1960. It was said that Ryan lived with his doting mother and had what was described by the British press as an obsessive fascination with guns and the Rambo movies. Oh, my lordy. How many times do you have to gulp? Well, I'm trying not to call. (laughs) Between 1978 and April of 1987, Ryan applied for and was issued numerous certificates to own various types of firearms. He lived his young adult life as a loner. Never seen with friends. He drank alone. I drank alone. Wouldn't nobody else. I drank alone. But nobody else. What okay. What song is that? I drank alone. Oh, <laughs> okay. And although he spent a lot of time. What are you doing? I've got to pause to cough. And we're back. Are you done coughing? Yes, I am. Good God. For right now. All right. Anyway, so. Um. He drank alone at a local pub, and although he spent a lot of time at the firing range, he never fraternized with anyone there either. Which I don't think you really, like, buddy-buddy with people while you're at the firing range. You're usually in a little slot shooting your gun. I mean... It's not like you're, maybe, hey, Bob, how's that gun shooting? Maybe you want to shoot their gun. <laughs> I'll shoot my own. Thank Bad you very much. Anyway, it is believed that the spree began with Ryan shooting his mother at point blank range. Then he drove to a local park and attempted to rape a young mother of two. That's not good. She apparently tried to escape and was promptly shot 13 damn times in the back. God. Yet the children were spared. Thank the Lord. He then began driving around and shooting at people in various locations around Berkshire before taking refuge in a local college. After a five-hour standoff and surrounded by police, Ryan threatened them with a hand grenade and shouted, I wish I had slayed in bed. He's from England, though. Oh, I I wish I had slayed in bed. He then shot himself and died. The end. I wish I had slayed him later. No, that is not England. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I wish I had died in bed. I wish I had slayed in bed. Okay, that's a little bit. I can only do Australian, though. Okay, well. I cannot do. I wish I had stood in bed. <laughs> <laughs> that's not it either. All hail the queen. Okay, well, <laughs> you don't know my next one? <coughs> yes, I do. Mine's. Hung young. So he was hung, was he? Hung young. Hung young. You would you like a petticoat too? Guess where he's from? 
Uh, put it, put it in that salon. That's China. From 2001 to 2003. Accused of murdering between would you like 17. Some, would you like some flip five ways? Would you like some sweat five ways? And the poo poo platter. Oh my goodness, dude. I heard you like the poo poo platter real good. Shut up. Okay, okay. And 25 teenage boys between September 2001 and 2003 who would meet them in video game parlors and internet cafes and lure them to his home with promises of paying jobs or school funding. Born in 1974, the son of a pig farmer. Huang's early life is... <laughs> Wang. <laughs> Huang. Huang. Is sparsely documented. He spent one tour of duty in the military and then spent time as a migrant farm worker in southern China. Huang built a... (laughs) (laughs) We're not making fun of anybody named Huang. I am. It's just funny. He built a torture device in his basement (coughs) called the Intelligent Hobby Horse, baby. The Intelligent Hobby Horse. Wait, wait. Listen to this. It resembled a noodle-making machine. A noodle-making machine? Yes. Oh, they could have really used that in the restaurant. (laughs) It is said that his victims were suffocated with being bound to the machine. His modest operandi was to meet the youths in video halls or internet cafes and tell them he was working on a new video game that he titled God and the Intelligent Hobby Horse. Good and the Intelligent Hobby Horse. You don't have to copy everything. Good and the Intelligent Hobby Horse. Other times, he would offer to recommend them for for well-paying jobs in the area or pay them for school or sightseeing tours. He would drug them, suffocate them, and then posthumously. 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 I don't know, posthumously. Anyway, posthumously. Posthumously. Rape them. That's so sad. He buried his victims in the grounds around his home. At the trial, Wayne quoted as saying, Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be an assassin, but never had the chance. What if he had a lisp? Ever since I was <laughs> I wanted to be an assassin, <laughs> but never had the chance. Thank you. That's the end? Insane, yes. <laughs> well, what happened to him? Oh, who is that? Hello, I am Mutsuo Toy. Who? I am the ghost of Mutsuo Toy. What? I am the ghost of Mutsuo Toys, and I am from Tsuyama, Japan. I was, this happened on May 20th, 1938. That sounds the same as a Chinese person. Well, they look the same, too. They don't, I don't think they sound the same. Well, I'm from Japan, and you're not, so I I think that I know. No, China. Anyway, let me tell you about me. Okay. Using a... 
using a browning Don't kiss her at all. Using That's a browning sugar. A Japanese <laughs> sword and an axe. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Using a browning shogun, a Japanese sword, and an axe. I kill 30 people, including the beheading of my own grandmother in 1938. <laughs> Please never make that fun. That sounds more like Japanese. Right. <laughs> wax on, wax off. That's Chinese. Oh, well, it's Japanese, okay? <laughs> Screw you, American. <laughs> oh my gosh, shut up. Three other villagers were seriously wounded, too. Um, I was born on March 5th, 1917. Your country keeps coming back. I'm sorry. In <laughs> Okayama, Japan, after my parents died of tuberculosis, I was still a little baby. Me and my sister was raised by my grandmother. I live a seemingly normal childhood until the age of 17, around which time my sister married. This event, it really triggered me to become socially reclusive. Me hate people. In 1936, I began crawling into the beds of young women. <laughs> In the middle of the night, I was seeking sexual... What do you... Uh, Call it a intercourse. Or hoo-hoo. Well, this was a traditional Japanese activity called night crawling. Or yoba. Yoba. Where are you going with this? In May of 1937, I was diagnosed with tuberculosis too. And I found that my sexual advances, they was being rejected by the young women in the village. Why they be rejected? Probably because of that sound. No, because Motsuo be. I was sexy. <laughs> and I know it. Okay, but they was being rejected. And in the deep night, on May 20th, 1938, I... Exacted my revenge by cutting the power line to the entire village. You sound like a ringneck Japanese. Person. And I beheaded my grandmother. I took her head off. <laughs> and I killed 29 neighbors. With all respect to the victims. At sunrise, I shot myself in the chest and died. Thank you, Mutsuo, but please go back to where you came <laughs> oh from. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my Lord. All right. Let's do your last one. Okay. Mine is... Really? Ian Huntley. Really? He's from Soham, Cambridgeshire, England. I think we all know I can't who do Ian Huntley England. is. Okay, then I'm not going to do him. Yeah. Okay, person. Drew, come on now. We've done him. Wait a second. I've got this one. And who was Ian's accomplice? Wait a second. I'm just going to do... Was it Myra? Wait a second. I'm just the gonna... Moors murders, maybe? Wait a second. <laughs> I was going to do... What's this other person? Um, crap. Mm. Wait, let me get this person. Jeff Weiss? Have you heard of him? Mm -mm. You ain't heard of Jeff Weiss? Weiss? 
Red Lake, Minnesota, March 21st, 2005. He began with killing of his grandfather and grandfather's girlfriend with a .22 pistol, 22 caliber pistol. I know how to say it, folks. Thank you. Then after confiscating a Glock 23 pistol and 12K shotgun, he drove to Red Lake Singer High and opened fire on campus. The dead included five students, one teacher, and a security guard. Five more victims were wounded before Weiss committed suicide. Shoot yourself first. Well, I guess that makes more common sense. I might be less victims. Weiss lived with his grandmother in Red Lake, Minnesota. His mother died in a car crash in 1999, and his father committed suicide just after. He lived a conflicted life. Seemingly, He was seemingly very intelligent, and some described him as very nice, thoughtful, and always available to help people with their issues. Others described him as sullen and withdrawn and a loner. He was always dressed in black and therefore labeled a golf by fellow students. He spent a lot of time on the internet on various Nazi websites and even created and posted animations which depict a masked killer on a shooting spree in a park-like setting. On the morning of the killing, Weiss went to his paternal grandfather's house, a local police officer, and shot him while he was in his sleep. He then shot his grandfather's girlfriend, strapped on his grandfather's body arm. Huh? This is sounding perverse. Strapped on his grandfather's what? No, strapped on his grandfather's body armor, took a few of his weapons, and drove to the school in his squad car. Why does his... Oh, oh, his grandfather was a policeman? Yeah, so he took some of his Oh, okay, because I was like, why did he have body armor? He pulled up to the front door of the school and started... Shooting. Shooting! Oh, yes. Eyewitness accounts describe the massacre to be eerily similar to the Columbine killings. Columbine, maybe? Yeah, that's right. Okay. I didn't know if it was another killing. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I watch Forensic Files, okay? You hadn't gotten to Columbine yet. No. <laughs> With Weiss asking a student whether he believed in God before shooting him. I would say... I don't know the answer that he's told him. Because I was, I would, he, my I answer would be... Yes. Uh, yeah, probably. Because I would say... What would make you not shoot me? Well, I would just. I act would like, say I was acting like I was a Ford. Ford I would Sam say, who got me? Who got who got me? Who I give you free petty cool? Oh come shit! Please don't shoot me. <laughs> I just be here, my grandmother. During a standoff with police, Weiss was hit by two bullets. But I would do this. I just be him, my grandmother. <laughs> that might make him laugh. <laughs> that might make him laugh, but, and he might not shoot you. For I know, right? He might call you. I very... would say, "See, I made funny." <laughs> <laughs> Quit doing that, man. 
which led him to retreat to a vacant classroom where he shot himself. Bubba. Bang! And ended Empty. the massacre. Empty. Yep. That's what we got for this mini-sode. We Thank you for you... staying tuned with us. We greatly appreciate it. If you really want to, then you can go check out all of our other episodes on basically any platform that you have, and we will be posting a new episode this Saturday. Because we even on iHeartRadio. Uh, are we on Pandora yet? Pandora? I don't think they have podcasts. Well, anyways, we're not on Pandora, but we're on basically I don't know if we are every not. single friggin' podcast platform, hopefully. I think we are. And if we're not, just let us know. Just and we will know. be there, too. But then if we're not there, how you know about us? We will get you on there. Thank you. And until next time, I have always been both you. And I'm always. And I have always, as always, I am Stan. And I'm always Jeru. And we'll see you on the flip side down in the boondock. Yes. See you later, folks. Don't forget, this has been Bad in the Boondocks, baby. Oh, my goodness.